KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall with your hosts Corbin Sturch and Zachary Payne. Your vintage radio program here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio produced by the Radio Television Video Department here at University of the Ozarks in Clarksville, Arkansas. From the concert hall plays some of the famous artists of the past, as well as features a few of our very own from right here at home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we take you live right here to our very own little concert hall. Hello and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. Tonight, my co-host Zachary Payne is out. We, we gave him the night off after a very busy week with classes. Now, with me tonight, I have got David Salil. Mr. Salil is a speaker and advocate for nonviolence in our daily lives and in society as a whole. So thank you, Mr. Salil, for being with me tonight. Pleasure to be here. If you would please give us a brief overview of what it is you stand for in nonviolence and why you stand for nonviolence. What, what drove you to this? Yeah, for me, my whole professional background has been in leadership development and working with people to help make the world a better place. Um, and the, the more that I studied leadership, the more that I wanted, there, there was something missing for me. And I, I started looking at what are the most powerful leadership movements around the world and, and what is it about them that made them powerful um, and, and, and interesting and, and, and how did they work? And so I started with Martin Luther King, um, who, who I had always admired, and he followed a philosophy and a methodology called nonviolence. And it was something that was much deeper rooted than any of the leadership philosophies I had seen before that. Um, and it was, it was something that he called uh, a way of life for courageous people. Um, and so I started looking more into King and you can't start reading King without reading Gandhi. I had, King references Gandhi, you know, every every turn of the uh, of the way, and so, you know, if you're reading King, I start reading Gandhi, and then Gandhi is is um, incredibly deep and also a um, really a, a, a pioneer in the field of of living and teaching nonviolence, um, and th- that was where my studies went from there, where I began to adopt it as my own personal philosophy and lifestyle. Okay. So would you say that leading with nonviolence makes you a more effective or stronger leader? I think that's a fair statement. I think that's a fair statement that um, in, in using nonviolence, if, if you want to make a positive change in the world, if you want to make a difference, um, nonviolence uh, comes from a philosophy of unity, 
among people, that underlying um, who we are as people, we're all interconnected. King talked about how we uh, are all interwoven into the same fabric of destiny. And if you, be, if you believe in that idea, um, you can begin to see that we're not working against each other for social change, that we're working together and we're all working together. And even those who may be opposed to us, um, that perhaps we can awaken their conscience as well. To, to, to be in this together. Um, so yeah, there, there, it's, it's, uh, it's no secret when, when Gandhi said that um, nonviolence is the most powerful force at the disposal of humankind. Um, he, 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 was, he was right on with that. And um, I have uh, really enjoyed and, and exploring that world of leadership. And thinking about that, it really takes me back to a different era completely and trying to picture how rule could have been different using nonviolence. And when looking at that, I think of what by most historians is considered the most powerful rule ever in the face of humankind, and that's the Roman Empire. Um, we know we hear the phrase a lot, Pax Romana, which is peace in Rome, peace for Rome. But that that peace was established through fear and through violence. How do you how do you think that could have been different had they actually used a nonviolent? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The Roman Empire is certainly a very interesting example, um, especially in how they expanded their empire through violence. Um, I, I I I think it would be difficult for me to see um, a country um, that would have an element of imperialism if nonviolence was at the root of their decision make. Uh, whereas the Roman Empire may say, we, you know, we, we're going to come and take your land by force. Um, uh, a, a country rooted in, in nonviolence would uh, would respect the neighbors around them and know that um, our interconnectedness is that, that borders are merely superfluous and that the goal is creating a, a community between us that you know, your your land is no more uh, important to me. But what, what is, is the relationship relationship that we have and how to work together. And in looking at it, do you think it would have been possible for someone even at that time to have had an empire based off? And um, if, if so, how easy would that have been? Uh, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> not easy. But um, if there, I, I think what's interesting in, in terms of the world of, of nonviolence, um, the root of nonviolence is love and the, the interconnectedness that we have. Um, and what's interesting to me in, in in terms of empires, that the, the empires may not be um, land-based, politically based. Uh, but if you look at, say, for example, um, many religions in their purest forms, the teachings of Jesus, um, in the the Beatitudes, you know, this this uh, idea, blessed are the peacemakers, um, Christianity at its root. And I know there is a long history <laughs> with Christianity and violence and all these different things. But there, what has been interesting 
interesting is um, Jesus and his beliefs and that idea of peacemaking have sustained. Now, whether people have followed that is a, is a whole nother, you know, we need many more radio shows to talk about, <laughs> right, <laughs> to right. talk about that. But this idea of, of peacemaking um, has survived and in 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 many ways has has proliferated. You look at, um, I mean, for example, Buddhism talks a lot about peacemaking and that, you know, this idea that we can't have world peace until you have inner peace, right? If you can't find inner peace, how are we going to share that with others? Um, many religions have love at their core. And so um, in some sense, there's a, I think there's a parallel there in terms of talk about empire, uh, or at least it's not even popularity, but it, it is um, known through throughout the world and, and practice and will strive and aspire toward that. It, it has its, it, it takes on its own life. Now, you're talking about inner peace and striving towards it. How are you striving towards it in your own lives? I know it's a very broad question. I know that from sitting down having dinner with you, you are a vegan and a lot of that's because of violence for animals, I would assume. How how in your daily life are you working towards nonviolence within yourself? Yeah, it, that's, a, that's a great question because it is a, it's an inner practice. It's personal development. Um, for me, I strive as best I can and I will be the first to admit that I'm not always successful. <laughs> <laughs> I try. There are days that I am um, wonderful at nonviolence and have deep wells of empathy for everyone around me. And then there are days where I'm with my four-year-old daughter or my seven-year-old daughter and it's just tough. Um, and so for for me, in terms of my interactions with, with people, um, every interaction for me is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to practice my nonviolence, to extend empathy to other people. Um, in terms, you know, when you talk about my eating vegan and trying to um, see that the spirit of life that's within me is that same spirit that's within other animals and and within insects for me, within um, within plants and trees and rocks, that there is that it, it's it's a spirit of life that flows through everything. Um, I know not everyone believes that, but for for me, that is a particular practice of nonviolence and empathy for myself. Um, like in my house with, with my kids, when we see a bug, we don't kill it, right? I know I used to do that when I was a kid. Ah, it's a bug, kill it. We rescue it now. We take it out of the house. Um, and and I admit too, that's also a practice. Um, I'm, I'm not perfect at it, uh, but I try and I try to extend that practice, to extend it to my family, to extend it to people who, uh, who need it during the day, you know, uh, whatever, I'm at the grocery store and someone behind me just obviously is upset and doesn't have time to stand in line and is annoyed and the person in front of me is like, you know, trying to write a check and, oh, we've got to put your driver's license number on there and we got to get this approved by someone else. And the person behind me is obviously upset. Giving up my place in line to have this person one step closer where they need is such an easy, um, such an easy thing for me to make someone else's life a little bit easier. My sacrifice is so small with that or to, to extend a smile or a hand to someone or a, a listening ear to be able to um, to take 
take every opportunity of interacting with someone else, interacting with nature as a way to practice nonviolence and also to reaffirm that that's important to me as a person. Now, earlier in your nonviolence summit, what you called the hope tank, yeah. you mentioned, and I think everyone can relate to this, that some days it's harder than others to yes. be that empathetic. How is it that on those really low days when you feel the well has been run dry that you get the extra dropout? How do you really go the extra mile to make sure you still can give that nonviolent front and be accepting and loving? Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I think I think to that concept of, of Buddhism, of that we've got to find it within ourselves before we can offer it to others. And a lot of that is having self-empathy and knowing, and, and uh, some people call it forgiveness, some call it grace, some people call it mercy, um, and, and knowing that you can give that to yourself and say, wow, today is a tough day. <laughs> and, and you know, for, for any parent, always come to those times, blow up at your kids. <laughs> it happens. It happens to me. I am not perfect. <laughs> no one is. But to be able to see those moments and to take a breath and to say, oops, <laughs> and to apologize and to circle back. And one of the things that I've found that's incredibly interesting and helpful about um, empathy and nonviolence and trying to find that peace within yourself that when you have crossed your own lines <laughs> of the times when when you do blow up at your child, there is something that, that opens within you and opens within your heart. Um, some people say that, you know, when our heart breaks, it breaks open and it breaks open wider than it was uh, fine and a, a, a deeper well that wasn't there before that allows you to make amends, to say I'm sorry, to realize the hurt that you may have caused someone else and to look at other ways that you choose to go next time. So to really sum that up, the best way to get that extra drop on those days when it's just really hard to give that extra bit of empathy is to just try to remember what you've done before that's hurt others. And yeah, and 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 this was something that was that was interesting. I remember seeing in, in a in a video from Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a, a a Buddhist monk from Vietnam. He was the the monk that Martin Luther King nominated for the Nobel Prize year after he won it. He was um, going to nominate someone. He nominated Thich Nhat Hanh, and and there are um, a tremendous number of videos from Thich Nhat Hanh online um, and on YouTube and such. He has a community called the Plum Village. And um, I remember he had a video on how do I control my anger? And um, one of the things that, that he talked about was can you create that space between you and your anger that rather than lashing out at a person, can you see their, can you see what they are going to let go of yourself just enough time to find that empathy? And so it's, um, it's a practice. It's a struggle. It, you get better every day, and the times when it's not a good day, be able to at least to forgive yourself and to be empathetic to others, even when it is the pain that you might have caused. Right. Now, we're going to take a short break for just a second, but when we come back, I want to talk more on your concept of utopia. That's spelled Y-O-U-topia. It's a big part of the Hope Tank and that beloved community we're going to talk about coming back. So I just want to take a quick break, and in this break, I'd like our listeners to hear a piece by someone who came on during our first week of the show, Benjamin Aiken, and it's called Divinorum. It's a piece he wrote while here at the university. So please enjoy, and I hope to hear back from all of you whenever we come back.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM. Community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. My normal co-host, Zachary Payne, is out tonight sick. We, we gave him the night off to kind of rest and recuperate after a busy week last. But with me tonight, we have the non-violence lecturer, Dr. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. David Salil. Sorry, so used to saying doctor here on campus. That it's okay. <laughs> you're so knowledgeable on the topic that doctors seem to fit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Now, for those listeners who missed it in the first part of the show, we talked more on why nonviolence for you and kind of how you think it could fit into past history. And now I'd like to move on more to equating it into the now. Your idea of utopia. Why are you utopia? So it's a self thing. Can you explain to me why the title utopia? I, I understand the idea of utopia, but explain why you worded it that way. And I'd like to know more about that. Why yeah, that? It, it it actually came up in our in our workshop today. It was. Uh, was it was not my word that um, that came through, but um, but I, I, I'm happy to really uh, to dive into that because the idea of and this idea of a utopia, how however we spell it with a, a U or a Y O U, <coughs> it it really gets to this idea that Martin Luther King talked about with a beloved um, that a lot of people think his "I Have a Dream" speech was very much painting a picture of that utopia um, of that we are all in this together, that we have mutual uh, respect and love and equality and all and all those different pieces that make up this vision for for what we want for our world. Now, the the interesting thing for me, because I, I not only teach nonviolence, but also nonviolence leadership, which helps us figure out how to get where we want to go, that if the beloved community is where we want to be, that those can't just be words that we hear in a speech. They can't just be words on a page that um, that our utopia can't be unreachable. You know, I was talking with um, in a few classes earlier today uh, about nonviolence, and we listened to parts of Martin Luther's King Martin Luther King's speech called I've, "I've I've been to the mountaintop," and he talked about the mountaintop and the promised land and the beloved community, um, and how he he may not get there with us. And this was the "I've been to the mountaintop" speech was the last speech he gave. He was assassinated the next day. Um, but it was, it's this idea that, yeah, there is, we do have a vision of where we want to go. And I think my contribution to that is that in order to get there, we have to make a thoughtful and intentional effort to get there. That if we think, uh, so today from the workshop, we talked about the beloved community and people came up with their ideas of what that is and what that looks like. And they talked about ideas of, of love and equality and selfless service to others and empathy and all of these, uh, this wonderful vision. But the piece that is really most important to me is the idea that in order to get there, in order to create that, that can't be our end goal. We've got to start there. And that's got to be our beginning, our middle, and and our end. It is the vehicle with which we travel. You know, Gandhi talked about that the, the there is no path to peace. Peace is the path. That if we want the beloved community, if we want a utopia, if we want to live in that world where people are respected 
and we believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person, that's not where we're going. That's where we start. So to kind of question the idea of the failing, do you think you might be too personal? Maybe we should expand. And instead of having you as some visual, we look at the word as more of an everyone. It is. It is. But I, I think what's what's interesting about utopia with a Y-O-U is, is that it is you. You are part of this and, and in some ways responsible for creating the world that you want to see, right? Gandhi tells us to, you know, be the change we want to see in the world. Uh, you know, very much if there was ever a bumper sticker for Gandhi, <laughs> that's it, right? Be the change we want to see in the world. But it can't just be a bumper sticker, right? right. That doesn't create the world that we want to see. That if, if you want that world, you've got to be part of that world. You've got to participate in that world. You've got to show up to that world. Um, I always talk about how in leadership is an action. It's something that we do. And the first part of it is showing up. <laughs> if you don't show up, it's not going to happen. Right? I, I told the classes earlier this morning, do you know who is going to create this for you? Well, nobody. <laughs> right. Nobody. You are the one who needs to, to create that and make effort work together. At. So now, you hear a lot of what others think of this beloved love society. When you think of what are the words come to your mind to describe it? Thank you for asking. Uh, I don't get asked that question very much. For me, um, words that come to mind, uh, joyfulness, justice, uh, empathy, uh, compassion, and community are, are, are big words for me. Now, to ask a question that was asked earlier at Beach, why justice without mercy? Why justice? I, I, I always relate, um, I always think about what Martin Luther King said about peace in terms of justice. And and what he, he said about peace, he, he said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of justice. And there is a, there's a courthouse in Tennessee that, you know, we, many courthouses have this, uh, a statue or an image of blind justice. Right. And in, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going out on a limb here with my memory. The Supreme Court has the, the picture of, of, or a statue of blind justice, a woman with a, um, a blindfold on and she's holding a balance scale. Right. With a sore hand. Yes. Yes. And the, the balance, uh, the scale is, is, is relatively balanced. And, and I appreciate that, but there is, there's actually a courthouse in Tennessee that has a statue of blind justice that I think from my perspective is more, um, more accurate to my beliefs and, and perhaps more appropriate of what justice looks like. And it's, it, um, it's a, it's a woman who is seated and the two, what would normally be two, the two balances of the scale, uh, of justice are not, they are not suspended by strings. They are held in each hand of blind justice. And when I, when I think about that, I, I think about how it's not just weighing the balance. It's not putting a weight over here and a weight over there and, and let's see what happens. But there is a human element of that justice resides within our hands, that we can, um, that we can be part of justice. Uh, we can be part of creating quality, part of creating compassion, part of creating uh, a system that regards the inherent worth of, of all people in deciding what do we do when there is a question of how we relate in our society. Right. I, I think I, I really agree with what you're saying that while yes, the balance may say one thing, at the end of the day, it's how we take that and really apply it. Yes. We don't always necessarily agree with that balance. Yes. Yes. And and how do we apply it? And I think that's a big piece of the beloved community too and the practice of nonviolence is what am I going to do? You know, Martin Luther King always talks about how conflict is inevitable in anything 
everything we do, we're going to find conflict because we're human. <laughs> right. And, and that's, that's inevitable. What we do with that then becomes our choice. Then justice is within our hands. Compassion is within our hands. Mercy is within our hands. Um, bringing someone closer into a community or pushing them further out of a community is within our hands. And so it, it's the decisions of justice don't come simply from the idea of, well, there should conflict. There's going to be conflict. It's what do do that. And that's why I really appreciate this idea of blind justice with the um, with the scales of justice firmly in the hands of person. Now, thinking on the topic of being inclusive and accepting others, how does it make you feel to see these new laws being passed slightly, allowing for discrimination of the LGBT community here in the States? By the I mean, even recently here in Arkansas, we passed a bill allowing for it and legalizing it. Yeah, troubling. Very troubling. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at laws like that. My Facebook feed has been filled with um, my friends from Florida, where they are passing laws about the bathrooms that transgender people can't, aren't allowed to use the bathrooms that they identify, self-identify for. Right. They're making separate bathrooms, which is segregating. Right. Right. It, it, it is another form of segregation. It's another form of dehumanization, right? Um, one of the pieces of nonviolence is this idea of, of unity, that we are all interconnected, and that when we begin to separate, when we begin to think of that there is an other, quote unquote, other, um, we some some someone separate from ourselves, not like ourselves. We can we we begin to make excuses. We begin to dehumanize that person as different as other. We begin to fear what that other is. Um, and for example, in South Africa, apartheid was a tremendously oppressive system. Apartheid literally translates to apartness, separation. You know, it's the it's the old adage divide and conquer, right? It's rooted in violence. And so if we can begin to reduce the separation that we have, if we can begin to see the inherent worth and dignity of all people, you know, like when we talked about Thich Nhat Hanh, can we see the suffering in someone else? I think when I think about this, I'm driven it's important to remember within our own lives that we grow and we learn through discomfort. It's through these things that are hard for us that we come out better. Yes, yes. Now, it's also um, difficult for us as as people to see things like these laws, um, other forms of, of oppression and dehumanization uh, as, you know, some, uh, as it's troubling, it's difficult. There is also tremendous growth opportunity there, which is a, a central piece of nonviolence. When you, when you talk to leaders in the civil rights movement, um, I had an opportunity to train with Dr. Bernard Lafayette, who was one of the freedom riders in the civil rights movement. And one of the things that he talked about that has stuck with me, think about it darn near every day, <laughs> of um, this idea that during the civil rights movement, he said we were not just fighting for our freedom. We were not just struggling for equality and, and, and liberation. We were struggling to liberate our oppressors from their mindset. We had to rush to their aid is what he said. And it really spoke to that deep belief in unity that even when when we are oppressed by others, we are all in this together. And nonviolence is used to help awaken the conscience of others, to shed light on the unjust systems that we have collective created some shaper. So uh, Dr. King said, we don't, uh, and, and I'm trying to think of, uh, of the exact quote because I don't want to misquote it, but it's uh, essentially this idea that um, we don't hate the doers of evil. We work to dismantle.
dismantle the evil systems, right? It's, it's not about people. It's, uh, it's that we are all in this together to dismantle the unjust systems that, that oppress us. Right. It's not just seeing our own way. It talks to those people who oppose us, understanding why they think the way they do, but also work to help them understand why we think the way we do and are the way we are. Absolutely. It's about making that human connection to know that, that there is a mutual respect there. That's why when we talk about the beloved community, about showing up with the beloved community, you know, you show up with respect, you show up with equality, you show up with peace and love and selflessness. Now, that doesn't mean you compromise and put up with injustice. Certainly no. Nonviolence, the, the methodology and the philosophy of nonviolence helps awaken the conscience of others to see the injustices, to make the human connections and to say, yes, we do need to make structural change here. And we're going to do that together, myself and those who we might consider as opponents. Whenever I think of this beloved side, um, this cultural idea, when we were in this hope tank earlier, which, you know, is the equivalent to a think tank in the sense we're trying to brainstorm what would be this beloved community. My favorite word on the board, and anyone who knows me would understand this, is discord. Because I get that everyone's going to share the same opinion. And I enjoy arguing with people and figuring out why the way they do so I can learn, but also so they can learn. Yes, absolutely. And that's part of, and, and the, the real question then in our in our discord and our discourse is how do we proceed with that? That there will be discord, there will be conflict, bet on it, plan for it, but how do we approach it? And how do we work through it with that sense of mutual respect? Of I think, well, I personally think that the best way to proceed with that would be with the idea that we're going to learn from this and we're both going to come out better in the end because there's going to be knowledge gain, yeah. which I think at the end of the day is a big part of that utopian society is the gaining knowledge through other people and yourself, which is what better society holds. Right. Absolutely. That's the, the, that's the idea of you no know, work for the greater good, the common good, that there is, um, that there is something more than ourselves, uh, that we can, uh, that, that we are greater than the sum of our parts. Right. Well, we're going to take one more short break and then we're going to come back and hear some closing remarks, some closing thoughts from you before we end the show tonight, but to play us into our break and give us some time to think of and digest about what we just heard from Mr. Salil is Lumiere, which is a piece performed by one of the former music students here at University of the Ozarks on our lovely chapel organ. So enjoy this piece, Lumiere, which means light. Take that as the light of knowledge, the light of learning, the light of growing, that light of hope, though. Enjoy. <laughs>
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. My usual co-host, Zachary Payne, is out tonight. We decided to give him the week off to rest and recuperate and kind of just take a breath of fresh air. We do so much work here at the show that we thought he needed his own little Sabbath, his own day of rest to catch up on himself. But with us tonight, we have had Mr. David Salil, who is a nonviolence advocate, speaker, and real pioneer and leader in the area in society today where he's trying to teach people how to best lead in a way that's nonviolent and help them learn the ways that work for them. So thank you for being on with us tonight, Mr. Salil. Yeah, such a pleasure to be here. So for those of you out there who've missed the rest of the show, you've come on to the last 10 minutes of it. But on the show tonight, we've talked about the idea of utopia, which is what you make of how to have that ideal society without violence and how it could best fit you. So even though you missed it, I still want that to be something you can think about out there and really let affect your life. How am I impacting others and how can I change that in a way that pack positively and still contribute while acknowledging that the road can be rocky and rough and not for everyone. Now, Mr. Salil, before we let you go tonight, is there any closing remarks you'd really like to make or one message you just really want to drive home? If they're going to take away anything from any of this show, what would it be? It's that the beloved community doesn't happen by accident and it doesn't happen by magic wands or famous people speaking. Um, It happens by the work that we, in our communities, to live out that vision. Uh, One of the stories I'd love to tell was I live in Atlanta, which is the home of the King Center, Martin Luther King, as well as the home for the Center for Civil and Human Rights. Come out of those places so um, inspired to uh, to get involved. And I remember coming out and saying, all right, I'm ready to join the beloved community. Where are they and when do they meet? And um, and I couldn't find them. <laughs> there wasn't, they didn't have a meeting space at the local community center. And so one of the reasons that I, that I do this is to encourage both to know that this doesn't happen by accident. It happens by intention and it happens by doing the work and showing up with the beloved unity, showing up with uh, with a spirit of love, of equality, of fairness, of selflessness, of respect for others. It's finding those who are like you, those who aren't like you, and just everyone around you and trying to really take the initiative and build that community because you're right, it's not going to have that meeting place at the local town hall or event center. Yeah, uh, maybe near me because <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, it, it takes an intentional effort to, to make it happen. And yes, the, the words of Martin Luther King and Gandhi are, um, they are soaring and visionary and beautiful. Um, and we also must be realistic in recognizing that they are not. Right. Um, you know, and Martin Luther King in his, uh, I've been to the mountaintop speech. He said, I've, you know, I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land and I might not get there. It's our job. It's our journey. And it's our time. You know, so as as your listeners at home, wherever you are, to, to be able to pause and say, what is going to be my function? What is my effort? How can I create? Right. So now, if someone wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about what you're involved with in your roles in creating that nonviolent idea and that utopian society, what's the best way for them to learn more? Yeah, there are, there are some great resources out there. I have my own Facebook page where I'm posting regularly about nonviolence. If you if, if look me up, um, you can get on my feed. There's also another tremendous organization.
organization called the Meta Center for Nonviolence. Um, they're out in California, and they uh, have uh, a tremendous number of uh, podcasts and online resources and books. Um, they are doing wonderful work in carrying on the message uh, of nonviolence and just how do we get there? How do we get to that um, that Y-O-U-topia that, <laughs> that, we, that we talked about and the beloved community? They're doing tremendous work. Um, there are organizations out there that specialize in nonviolent communication, which is really um, kind of uh, an, an offshoot of nonviolence in how do we relate to each other? How do we talk to each other in ways that support the values of a beloved? Um, so yeah, I, I encourage people to, to dig into those resources and to, to really look within yourself and say, yeah, I can make a difference. I can bring the beloved unity with me in how I interact with others and how I talk to others and, and know that it's a practice. Well, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And to all of our listeners out there, if you would like to learn more, remember, you can just go on Google, type in David Solil, that's S-O-L-E-I-L, and surely you'll find more that way. I know you'll be able to find his Facebook page that way, and hopefully you can get in touch with Dave and learn more through him. He's an incredibly inspirational person to learn from and talk with, so hopefully you've had a chance to take something from this show tonight. Now, if you'd like to learn more about upcoming shows or figure out what we're doing through the week, you can find us online at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall, or if that's not your style, if you're not a Facebooker, you like the bird and you like to tweet, it's F-T-C-H underscore K-U-O-Z. That's F-T-C-H underscore K-U-O-Z. Or we even have an Instagram because, you know, radio can have a face too. It can be like television sometimes. And you can keep up with us, keep up with us through the week that way. And let us really put you in our shoes and grow as we go as a show. And that is K-U-O-Z Concert Hall. That's all you got to type in on Instagram. You'll find us that way. That's all one long word. And then if you still like the old snail mail method of email, even though I guess that's not really snail mail, <laughs> but um, it is from the concert hall radio at gmail.com. All one word again. Those are great ways to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear back from you. Give us your thoughts on shows, thoughts for future topics. We do this for you, the listener, and you've been amazing in giving us responses and giving us directions to go with the show. So thank you so much. And again, thank you, Mr. Solil, for being here with us tonight. Such it's a been pleasure. wonderful to meet with you today and go to this Hope Tank, learn more about nonviolent leadership, and have you on the show to talk more with us about it tonight. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, to play us off into the night, we have False Slow Tears, a Lenten piece, to remind us of our sacrifices and what we've given up through this season of Lent, but also to help us remember that it's not always easy to live this nonviolent life, and it's hard. There's going to be tears shed, and so hopefully through this song you can be touched just a little bit in how you approach someone in the future, and maybe it'll make you think. So thanks again, and good night to everyone out there. This is False Slow Tears by Ruth Elaine Schwamm.
Christ, we are.